Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. This is your Premier League preview. Joining me as always for these previews, Darren McCumsey. Darren, how you doing, my man? Hey, Noel, how are you, pal? Not too bad. I miss being in studio for these. It was a it was a heck of a trip there over the last two days over for the Milan game to Liverpool, but good to be back in studio doing the previews. Um, all good with you? Yeah, I'll go with me, man. I think we enjoyed watching your little journey, you know. Yeah. It was uh, it's nice for lads to be able to get back doing things like that. It's been a it's been a tough, you know, eighteen months for people. Um I know like I've I'm booked to go to United in October and I'm I'm just living for it at the minute as well, man, you know, just to to get back over and have those feels again, you know what I mean? Yeah, it felt surreal. It felt surreal. And and it's weird you go over there and like you're not you're not having to use masks or anything, everything is kind of normal-ish. And then right. you come back on the ferry and you get off the ferry and you're back into the mass syndrome over here again. You know what I mean? So it's a bit of, right. it's a bit of a kind of a little culture shock, if you like. Absolutely. Um, let's get into this anyway and have a preview of this week's <clears throat> transaction. Some uh, tantalising toys, to say the least. Uh, Friday night, we kick it off. Newcastle versus Leeds. Yeah, it should be, it should be a decent game, I think. Mm. Um, I think Leeds have kind of Flattered to deceive a little bit so far this season, haven't they? Both teams um, under serious pressure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it'll be an open enough game, you know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few goals in this. Um, you're probably looking two point plus two point five or plus three point five on the L on the L betting scorecard. You know, I reckon there'll be goals. Um, and I think you know, I think Newcastle will give, give as good as they get. Uh, you know, obviously we had them at Old Trafford there a couple of weeks ago. Last weekend, actually, and uh, yeah, they were all right in patches, you know. They held their own and they're decent enough on the break. And Leeds are a team that you can kind of get at at the back, and they've got a bit of pace up front with St. Maxima. He's an absolute baller, that kid. I really, really like him. Um, so yeah, I think this could be, I think this could be a score draw. Now. Yeah, I think I'm looking at it. Both teams like a really under serious pressure at the moment. I'm really surprised that Leeds actually they've had a real bad start to the season. I know they've had a couple of tough fixtures, obviously against Liverpool and against yourselves, but they look like they're way off the pace um, in those games. I I I just think I think they look very very short of goals. You know, um, I think the boy Bamford did great for them last year. I think he'll he'll probably do. You know something similar this year in terms of numbers, um, <clears throat> but I don't really see where they're going to get an awful lot of other goals from. I know you know Rafinha will chip in with a few, and mm. um, you know you're probably talking about the boy Harrison on the opposite side and Dan James will join in, but I don't know. I just don't think, especially because of the way they defend. I think they're so so open at the back that to beat teams, they're going to have to score two and three. Because I don't think they're going to keep enough clean sheets, yeah. and I think that's going to be the struggle for them getting enough goals to, to get them wins. You know, mm. I mean, we know the struggle with Newcastle at the moment with Bruce. There, I mean, sometimes he's a little bit unlucky. He's a proper baller, you know. So you have to kind of, you know, he brings a smile to my face when he talks about football because it's it's the kind of hard luck story at times. He always seems to be on the end of a bad decision or a bad something or other. You know what I mean? Which doesn't have a point or two. Yeah, but with Leeds, it's it's kind of weird for me because I look at Leeds at the moment and like you, I'm thinking where are things going to come from. But I also, when you looked at the game against yourselves and the game against ourselves, they looked like they were in a different division in terms of fitness, in terms of speed, pace, all over the pitch. I mean, 
they looked like they were in slow motion against you guys and you absolutely slaughtered them. And the same against us. I mean, we could have absolutely put a beating on them if we had been more clinical in front of goal. And I just think, I just think, I don't know what it is there. I don't know if they had a different preseason or if there's a different change of training routine or something like that. But they look tired already. Or they look like they're not at it. Well, I think, I know Bielsa is synonymous for his pre-seasons, isn't he? So, mm. I mean, maybe they're still recovering type thing. Which, which could be the scary part and that they haven't been able to get, get the, their legs back yet, you know. Um, but one thing I will say is, and, you know, we talk about Bielsa and wanting to play the game the right way and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it is very romantic and stuff like that. But you've got to say, they're going to have to be a little more pragmatic in games. Like, they, they can't go on um, given the amount of chances away that they're giving away. You know, like as you said, uh, I watched the I watched you guys against them on Sunday, and I mean, Sadio Mane could have had five or six, you know, um, and, and so could other lads. Salah could have had a couple, you know. There was that you could have really, honestly, and and not really, you know, done leads out of it and said you could have had double digits there, mm. you know. Um, I just think they're coughing up way too many chances. Um, you know, I think at centre back, they're very poor. They really, really are. Um, you know, the boy Cooper is he's a championship level player, if you're asking me. Mm. Um, I think the boy Lorente that, that actually got injured is probably their best centre back. Mm. Um, and he looks like he's gonna be on the shelf for a little while now as well. Then you've got Struke who actually got sent off then and so like this weekend, what's what's he got out like? You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's getting tough in that centre back position and they're they're soft, you know, and when you've got a soft centre, you're going to concede goals, and that's what's happening, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going, you're going for a score draw. I think a score draw, yeah. But I think if I was backing someone to win the game, I think I'd, I'd edge on the side of Newcastle now. Yeah, you know, at the moment, but it looks. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Saturday half twelve, the lunchtime kickoff: Wolves versus Brentford. Um, yeah. Two sides, and um, Wolves after picking up some points there last weekend, so got a good win. Uh, got over the line, you know, with a 2-0, I think it was. Brentford, very unlucky against Brighton. They thought they had seen it out, and then Trossard with a very light winner for Brighton. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I like the way Brentford are going about their business, you know I mean? They're trying to play football the right way, very similar to Brighton in their in their way of going about their business. Obviously, yeah. going to Wolves, obviously a tough toy going to Molyneux, as it always is. And um, What you thinking on this one? Um, yeah, I think, like, obviously, again, we played Wolves, uh, and it was it was a tough day at the office, you know. They were they were relatively tight, you know. They kept things quite uh, quite tight at the back, and I think I know the keeper coughed up the goal against us. But in general, he's been okay. Um, he's a decent enough shot stopper and stuff like that, Josie Sa. Um, and I don't see Wolves scoring lots. That's where I think they'll struggle as well, you know. Mm. Um, I think Brentford are going to be in people's faces. They're going to be a really tough test every week, you know, and going to be in your face and they're going to be dogged and they're quick and they're you know I think I think Thomas Frank has them has them playing quite well and um yeah I wouldn't be surprised to see them get something on Sunday you know mm. I'm sorry on, on, on Saturday afternoon Saturday lunchtime what are you thinking a draw again yeah I probably will just say the draw you know I think Wolves getting the win last weekend eases a little bit of pressure there you know so there's there's not as much of a, an emphasis on you know got to get that first win type thing yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll go with the draw again, man. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, huge game at the weekend Burnley versus Arsenal. Arteta's still under a lot of pressure. I know they got the win last week against Norwich, 
but God, they make hard work of it and stuff like that. And Pookie had a great chance at the end there to level it up and just missed it. Um, I think Arteta's under fierce pressure here, and this is another massive game. And I think when you're under that type of pressure, the last place you want to be going to is Turf Moor to try and get a win. Yeah, it's synonymously difficult to go and get a win there, isn't it? You know, the you've got that the the fans are you know they're nearly on top of you. The the pitch and the stands are so close together, and uh, yeah, it's a hostile enough atmosphere, and the pitch isn't great, and you know you've all of these things, which you know you've probably got a tiny away dressing room as well, like in an old school stadium. So I'd say it's going to be a very very tough tough game for Arsenal. Um, I suppose last week for me was the first time I looked at the Arsenal team sheet and thought, oh, that looks a bit better, you know. Um, they had the they white back and they had uh, Ramsdale in goal and you know they the couple of boys in the midfield and the Tierney and the the, the, the new right back and they had Bamiang and they were able to bring Smith Rowe off the bench and stuff. So it's kind of thinking, you know what. That's the first time I've looked at Arsenal, certainly this season, and even towards the end of last season, where I thought, all right, that, that could be something. And I think for Arsenal, the, the big thing is last week, as you know, as dominant as they were against Norwich, they only managed the goal, but the clean sheet's going to be big for them. Going to be really big for them. Um, now, I think they'll, they'll do well to keep Burnley out this weekend, I have to say. Mm. Um, but I think they'll just have enough to get over the line against Borny. Just. I don't know what this one. This one I'm thinking could be one of the shocks of the weekend. I, I think Burnley, with the way that they defend, they're so resolute with those two banks of four and the way Deutsch yeah. organises them and stuff like that. These are the kind of games that Arsenal find very difficult to break down. And I'm thinking this could be a draw. That's what I'm thinking. I think it's a difficult place to go. Burnley are struggling as well. You know what I mean? They are, and, and from four games, they need a win or at least a draw on this game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and Everton did a real number on them in that second half the other night, man. I watched that. I actually came in at half time from work, you know, and uh, it was one and a half time. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, Bournie won it up. But then Everton were really, really good in that second half and mm. they exposed quite a few frailties in that, in that Bournie side. Again, you know, down the middle of that of this point, they were a little bit soft, you know, the, um, you know, you've, you've got the, the worldly from Townsend as well, but I don't know, Bournie look like a squad that need a little bit of help. And I don't think they've gotten it from the board. Mm. I know they brought in the boy, uh, Cornet from, uh, Leon, but they could have done with five or six, if you're asking me, you know, mm. and, uh, I think, I think it's going to be a tough season for Bournie. Yeah. Always a danger though with Woods up there, you know, from set pieces and stuff like that. Always. I mean, he could I mean, do damage. The, the two centre backs um, attack the ball so well, mm. you know, Tarkovsky and me and stuff like that, very, very well um, from set pieces and stuff. But yeah, I, I still think, I, st- I just think Arsenal will get over the line in this one, maybe 2 1 to Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool versus Palace. Not expecting any hangover here from the Champions League. I think Klopp will revert back to the norm in terms of team structure and stuff like that. Palace, again, coming off a really good win against Spurs, did an absolute number yeah. on them last weekend. Um, what are you thinking on this one? Um, I think this could be a little bit closer than we think. Um, and the only reason I say it, and I feel like this for a lot of the teams that play European football, it can be hard when, when the other team has had the week off. You know, when Palace have had six, seven days, and Liverpool have had to go into it, you know, a, a tough game against AC Milan in, in 
the Champions League like that. Mm. I think it. I think it is a disadvantage. You don't know. I know you're you're disadvantaging the the better sides. So it, it does level itself out again. But mm. I think this will be close enough. I don't think there'll be any more than a goal in this. Mm. You know, um, I, I, you probably think Liverpool will do enough, and I'm gonna just probably say you know, two one Liverpool. Yeah, I'm thinking three one, but I still think, as you said, I think it will be a close enough game. Palace, you know, normally games against Palace for Liverpool are normally interesting affairs. You know what I mean? But I think we'll probably have too much for them at Anfield. If I had been down at Sellers Park, it might be a different story if we were on the road yeah. after that game. But I just think, I think when I'm making the five changes the other night against AC Milan, and I think now, you know, having the squad, you know, having the players back, he'll have his, his normal 11. It'll be business as usual, I imagine. And I think it's a good opportunity for us as well to go out there and, and you know, keep the ball rolling. Um, so I think we'll have too much on I'm thinking around 3-1. I think Palace, they were really good last week against Spurs. Really that, good. That was a depleted Spurs size as well. You know, they were missing players and stuff like that. And again, most of their key players didn't show up either. Palace were very dominant in that game, you know. They've, uh, they've a couple of nice players, Palace, you know. Mm. Um and they and they do make it into a dogfight the game you know they yeah. they're into every tackle every corner kick every throw in you know so they do make it quite dogged and they are quite resilient um and like you're not gonna get anything else out of a Patrick Vieira team right you know he it's an epitome of how he would have played the game so I think they will come and they'll be plucky and you know they'll they'll do some good stuff but I do think Liverpool will have enough to get over the line yeah absolutely Man City Southampton. Um, yeah, I could see goals here. Um, I do worry about some of the smaller teams when they end up coming to the Etihad, you know, um, because on, on days uh, at home, City can just be outrageous, you know, um, when when the thing's going to click in up further mm. up the pitch like that. And I think, you know, they put six by Leipzig the other night. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get three or four against Southampton the weekend. Mm. Yeah, I think this would be City all the way. I think Southampton will try and make it difficult, but I think they get worn down. And when they get worn down, they give a number of goals away. I, I don't see yeah. anything in this for Southampton at all. No. Um, Norwich versus Watford is an interesting one. Uh, two teams there at the moment. Um, you could call this could be like, I know it's an early in the season, but it could be like a relegation six-pointer, this one. Yeah, yeah, it could. Um, I actually think, you know, to be honest with you, um. I think Norwich are, are going about things the wrong way. And, and and I don't like saying that because, you know, like obviously they're trying to play good football and stuff like that, you know. But I don't know whether they have the players for this. I, I think they need to, I think they need to change things around a little bit. I think I'd pull Pukie out of that starting lineup, provided I had somebody to replace him. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you've got somebody of the, of the maybe caliber of them, you know, but. Mm. I, I, I think if I was Norwich, I'd maybe look at Adam Eda up there. Um, I think he does a, he's done a really, really good job for Ireland. Um, he's held the ball up excellently. We've seen how good his touch and how well he's brought players in. Yeah. And I think that could be something very valuable because I think as, as much of a threat as um, Pookie is in a goal-scoring point of view, I don't think he ne- necessarily holds the ball up as well and brings others into the game as well as young Adam Eda does. So... I think uh, I think Norwich should should look at that, um, and I I actually fancy Watford this weekend. I have to say, away from home. Is there a case for playing both of them in a completely different formation? Because it's goals really that they need, don't they? They can't find a goal. 
No, they can't find a goal, but they're also, you know, they're also open enough at the back. Like, I mean, Arsenal only scored once last week, but they wasn't there, wasn't there, I think there was a new record set for the amount of chances creating the game, if I'm right in the Arsenal game. I think so. Um, yeah. I think it was 37 chances or something like that. So, you know, they're, they're still coughing up a lot of chances. You've got the two boys playing right and left back, Max Ahrens and Brandon Williams. You know, two good young fullbacks. The centre back position is where I really just think they need a dig out. You know, mm. um, the boy Grant Hanley is very poor. Like he's really, really poor. Um, I know the other lad Ben Gibson who's gone back to them from Burnley. Um, he's not a bad centre back, but even he's struggled for fitness and stuff like that recently. And I think they're soft at the back. I even think they pay they pay big money in the summer for Angus Gunn. Um, and, and they've ended up going with Tim Creole every week so far. You know, and I'm kind of thinking, geez, I don't know, again, the spinier team, you need to maybe strengthen that up. Could they could they look at going with either up front and, you know, and, and getting maybe um, maybe going into the team and stuff like that? I don't know. I just, I think they're, they're trying, but I, I think they need to maybe look at a different angle of coming at this. You know what I mean? Definitely four losses and a goal difference of minus 10 already after four games. I mean, something has to change. I mean, I know what you're saying. The 1-0 the last week against Arsenal didn't tell the tale of the tape at all. No. Um, another one that could have easily on their day if Arsenal had their shooting boots on could be double figures, you know what I mean? But yeah. Just, I, I don't know what Norwich. I mean, Norwich is one of those teams already that looks like it's, it's you know, it's up for the money and then gone again. Yeah, um, they sold off a lot of some of the quality that they had and stuff like that. And when you do that, you're in trouble if you don't invest properly, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you get found out in this division very quickly. The half five game, Aston Villa versus Everton. This is um this is like a top six contenders game, really, isn't it? When you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it is definitely yeah. Villa with a poor start though to the seasons by their by their um level of investment that they have made, I would say. Yeah, and and I suppose this is something we've seen from Villa before. When they brought in, you know, a host of players like like they did, um, they maybe haven't gelled as quickly as they would have liked, um, and they maybe haven't decided on a formation that mm. they would have liked. I was quite surprised to see them go five at the back against Chelsea last week. You know, um, it was almost like they were trying to shoehorn two and ZB into the team instead of just going with constant Mings. And like Villa have been at their best playing in a back four. And and because they knew then they had they had a good solid you know midfield and there was also players that could break you know um, like I don't need to remind you the way they were able to play in the break la- on the on the break last year when they when they had a good day against you guys but I don't think teams see them as that at the minute because mm. you know the the build up seems to be a little bit slower mm. um, and maybe not as intense and obviously you're missing Jack Grealish you know who's 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 a serious baller. Um, but I do think they have good footballers there. Mm. Um, I was surprised. Opening day of the season, they took a hiding off Wofford. And and to be honest, the biggest shock for me that day was that he started actually young at left back. Or, or left side of midfield, wherever he, he mm. moved in on the left. And I kind of thought, yeah. you know what? He, coming in there, like mm. nothing against Ashley, but he shouldn't have been getting near that Villa side. Um, yeah. The side that, that did so well last season. Um, he brought in good good players there. You know, the boy Leon Bailey, and he still has the boy Bertrand Traore, and you've got Ings and and uh, Watkins up front. They've got firepower. I think Villa will be all right this year. You know, I think yeah. they'll probably be in the, the bottom half of the top half, if you know what I mean, those mm. six to tenth places, something like that. 
you, you, um, would, you would imagine with that investment though they would have been thinking like top six was the was the, <clears> the goal, wasn't it? I mean, I just think they haven't found out yet that sort of Watkins, Ings, when they a combination yet just hasn't kind yes. of gelled yet. I think when it does gel, the goals will pour in. And then as you said, the guy you're hot on that Leon Bailey, he came on last week, but obviously coming into a very tough game. Um, yeah. but we should see a better game out of him hopefully this week if he's in the in the team, you know. But I just yeah. think that that Watkins Buendia Ings combination just needs to figure out what it's about. Um, yeah, and obviously a lot of work for Dean Smith still to do on the training ground to kind of figure out I, what's his kind of pattern of play in terms of get things going. Well, I mean, he's gone from he's gone from playing, you know, almost a tree up front, which are which are yeah, Watkins flanked by. Traore and Grealish type thing, you know, mm. which are a couple of midfielders there in the Canby or Douglas Louise and mm. John McGinn and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and then maybe sometimes even play Grealish a little bit, a little bit deeper, and he had El Ghazi mm. on the wings and stuff. Whereas now, like they have a proper number ten, which they didn't, you know. Grealish always kind of drifted out onto the left hand side. I know yeah. he was the, the playmaker. Buendia plays very very centrally, but mm. then you're trying to incorporate Buendia plus two strikers who both want to play through the middle, you know? Right. And, and that's a massive change of system mm. for a team that always played one up front and had good width coming in from the wings and pace and the support. So, yeah, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change in time at Villa, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think it's not, a bad, it's not a bad squad at Villa at all. And I think it's a, nice, um, it's a nice thing for Smith to have to work out, you know? Mm. I'd certainly want that than some of the other sides where I'm looking to see who can do something for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, he now he has all the tools there. It's just placing them in the right order in the box, really. Yeah. I get it sorted. But I just think, um, and and of course, like I mean, the, the the relationship that Watkins had on the pitch with Grealish, obviously, it, it takes time to build that up again when that changes. You know, it was, you know, they knew exactly where each other was going. They knew the runs that they'd make and all that kind of thing. So that partnership was outstanding last season. No, but this year. It'll take time because you've basically taken one out and you've replaced it with two. And as you said, it's a very different style of play now that they're trying yeah. to adjust to. Um, what's your call on this one? Um, we seem to be saying there's an awful lot of draws this weekend, aren't we? But I, I think this mm. could be this could be something similar, you know. Um, I was very, very impressed. You know, we did the mashup on Monday and it was right after the Everton game. Mm. And uh, the second half, Everton were phenomenal. Really, really were. Um the speed of play, you know, the pace that they played at, the way they broke. Um, he he made a he made a substitution, um, Benitez, and I think this is something that for me as a United fan, this is where I feel like we struggle at the minute. You know, obviously we we dropped points the other night in the Champions League, and the question was tactically, what were the substitutions like from the manager? You couldn't say that about Benitez. The 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 changes he made on on Monday night, um, just after they went one all, mm. you know, he brought on Andre Gomez because they weren't creating enough and they weren't, you know, taking over that midfield. And and by bringing him on, they they freed up the Corey a little bit more to kind of drive the team on a little more and play a little yeah. bit a bit more on the front foot. And they were really really good. And I just think that's that's a big big thing when you've got a manager that can do that. Um, you know, I think Benitez is he's a bigger coup than a lot of people will will kind of want to admit, I think, for Everton, you know. 
Um, Especially Everton fans who aren't, weren't too sure about him and stuff like absolute. that. Absolutely. The one thing you'll get with Benitez, as I well now being a Liverpool fan, is he'll be very clear in what it, what he wants you to do and what your role and your job is, and it's fully explained to you. Even if you're only coming into the team, even from a yeah. substitution side of things, he's meticulous in his preparation. And um, I'd say there's a lot of Everton fans at the moment now that are, are turning back and going, you know, maybe this ain't a bad thing at all. You know what I mean? This is um, this could be oh, 100%. Great. Well, I mean, especially for Everton with the amount of money they spent over, you know, the last few years. They mm. were spending money willy-nilly. Mm. And, you know, there didn't seem to be maybe a transfer strategy or a plan. And there was They were buying sets of players for particular managers rather than buying them for systems or for, you know, mm. for, for certain reasons. Mm. And now, like, you look at Benitez, he came in and he was like, just, just get me some pace and some wit, mm. you know, and he, he got the boy Gray for 1.1 million. He got the uh, he brought Townsend in. He brought Rondon in. You know who's going to hold the ball up and bring others into play. He he tactically and and you know recruiting wise, he knows how to put a squad together. You know, and I think you'll see that develop again even more over the next two windows. Like I even think where they are now and where they could be in twelve months' time. Mm. Like, could they be a legitimate? You know, threat to that top four. It's very hard to say because of how you know, how much money the top four spend. But if anyone was going to do it, you're going to be looking at someone like Benitez who has the technical nous to do it, you know what I mean? I'm very, very shrewd in the transfer window. So, very, I mean, you could argue Damari Gray is probably the boy, one of the boys of the transfer window without a shadow of a doubt. So far, he's looking like, you know, 1.1 million very well spent, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's get on. Brighton versus Leicester. This is a great game to have on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. It is a really good game. I've just finished watching a bit of Leicester there as well, actually, when I get in the door. And uh, again, I feel like this is going to hurt Leicester the weekend. Um, I think, I don't think the, Le- I think the Leicester squad is, it's a good squad. Mm. I think they've got good numbers and they've good, they've, you know, they've reasonably good depth with the additions of, like we just spoke about a couple of minutes ago here in the house. Like he brought in Ryan Bertrand, uh, Yannick Vestergaard, Adam Ola Luckman, uh, Pat Sindaka and yeah. Bubakar Samari like they're five unbelievable signings for a club like Leicester in one window you know yeah. um, so he was able to obviously rest a few players tonight but, and then get a few yeah. players games that needed Ike Nacho come on and stuff and play and, but yeah I just think two games of this intensity in a week is yeah. tough for teams like Leicester yeah, I think they've started out sort of win-loss, win-loss and it's kind of a little bit of inconsistency there and I think I think when they win, they look really well, as most teams do. But I think yeah. when they lose, they look very ordinary. Um, yeah. And I just think that was like, I mean, if you look at the game against City, I mean, and I know obviously they're playing Man City and stuff like that, but they normally put up a good old fight against Man City. They normally have a good game against them, but City made them look very ordinary. Yeah, it was a, it was a much, um, the gap was much more, much more than the goal, you know, yeah. it was. Um, and they did City knocked the ball around very well held on to it well dominated the game and the play and the tempo and stuff like that um, and I always I always worry for the likes of teams you know like a Leicester like a Spurs like a West Ham who are playing you know Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday night anything like that and then have to go league as get again at the weekend I just think that can be tough when, when it's not something that you've done regularly you know, um, obviously Leicester were involved in the Europa League last year. Um, 
so this is this is another term of it and it, and it, it will get easier for them you know yeah. but I still think it's tough and we're still early in the season so I wouldn't be surprised to see Brighton get something out of this um, I think they're very well drilled mm. very well drilled I really like the boy Graham Cooper mm. or Graham Potter sorry yeah. um, I think he's a very very astute manager yeah. Um, you know I think tactically he makes lots of good decisions and other than having you know a couple of a couple of goal scorers like mm. these could be way further up the league you know mm. and even last season I mean if they take half their chances last season mm. you're looking at top 10 as opposed to bottom 3 yeah well you look at Brighton at the moment they're in 6 with 3 wins and a loss and not only that he also has the players that will walk through a wall from as well there's a huge amount of respect there you seen the yeah. last week with Trossard I think he scored at the 94th or 95th minute to, yeah. to, to you know pick up that win or whatever it was you know what I mean but they, they're absolute Potter's outstanding he's unbelievable he plays football the right way but he yeah. has assembled quite a neat little squad of players there that really work hard for him but again they're super drilled they know their role in the in the team. They know where they should be positional wise, um, and he has a nice little sprinkling there of talent as well. Um, and he's I, I love how he's made up the squad. Like mm. he, he hasn't just gone out and bought loads of foreigners. He hasn't just gone out and bought loads of English players. He's done different bits. You know, he brought in the young boy Lamptey from Chelsea, and mm. um, young English player with a massive future ahead of him. Mm. Uh, um, he, he's got like that kind of solidity and that steel at the back. He got the young Spanish keeper Sanchez. Mm. Um, he's got that. He's got Basuma who came in obviously from France and a fabulous footballer. As as you know, we we watched him. Mm. Um, and he's got you know a Belgian international like Trossard there. Mm. He's even using Danny Welbeck pretty well and yeah. getting a, getting a tune out of Welbeck. You know, mm. so I think that's the sign of a really good manager. If I'm honest, yeah. that regardless of the type of player he has in the mm. squad, he can get an awful lot of them. Mm. an awful lot out of them you know and I even I, I'm a really big fan I don't think we've seen the best of them yet mm. I think the boy Alexis McAllister who who comes off the bench quite a bit for them I think he could be a really really good player if mm. he can get a, a run of form together I've seen him a couple of times he's got all the ability in the world he's lacking a little bit of confidence and and, and you know he's he's kind of still in the infancy of his uh, career at, at Brighton, but I think he could be a serious baller, man. He looks, mm. he looks like he has stuff about him, you know. I like, I like what you said there as well, Potter. He's taking his time to assemble the squad as well. He's not one of these guys that'll go out and shotgun five or six players into a team. It's no. step by step, and it's 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 careful investment by careful investment. Nothing silly. He knows where his bread is buttered and stuff like that, and all. He understands his position in the league and stuff like that. But um, look, look at how look how clever he is picking up the likes of Danny Welbeck and Adam Lallana. For on phrase, yeah. do you know what I mean? Guys that add a little bit to the dressing room who've been in good clubs who have good habits, you know. And then you bring in a kid like Lamptey from Chelsea who, you know, again has had a big club, probably knows how to do things, but just didn't get just didn't get an opportunity. Like it's 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 very very well done, you know. I have to say credit to Brighton, so, uh, so and I, I think I, yeah, I think Brighton. Yeah, I'm thinking Brighton for this one as well. As you said, that hangover from the Thursday night football is a tough one for those teams to maintain. Absolutely. Um, so I'm thinking Brighton for this one as well. Yeah. Um, one for you, West Ham versus Man United. Yeah, um, big plus. Obviously, Mikel Antonio is suspended, you know. Mm. Um, that's a big plus for us because Huge. they don't they don't necessarily look like they have a, a ready-made replacement for them. No. 
Um, I think they'll, you know, I'm not sure who they'll probably play up front. Um, they might end up doing playing someone like Ben Rama through the middle or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, listen, Moyes has them well drilled, and they get a good win tonight away in Dynamo's like Reb. Croatia's not an easy place to go, you know. Yeah. Um, I think they're solid, you know, they're decent at the back. They've a couple of good uh full backs, you know, in Cresswell and Kufal. I think Royce and Suchek are, are solid in the middle, and I think they, you know, the boy Lanzini and Farnals and stuff like that, they're all nice little footballers. I still think they're going to be short of goals, that's my only fear for them. They look like, and we've seen last night, I watched last night and, and saw Sebastian Haller score four for Ajax, who's an ex-West Ham player. And I thought, oh, Jesus, how much would they love to have him around now as well? Because Antonio has these little, you know, obviously this is a suspension, but he can have these spates of injuries. Because, I mean, he's a really physical sort of guy. And when you're in that kind of shape, it's not very difficult to pull something here or pull something there. And all of a sudden, you're, you're out for a little while. And I don't know whether they're, well, I, I do think they are still missing, you know, something up front to to kind of tie it all together for them. Yeah, I think I think with Mikel Antonio as well, he he's so pivotal to them because yeah. if he's not scoring, he's also creating and he's assisting, you know what I mean? So he's yeah. fundamental to their success, especially with them not being able to, you know, get Lingard over the line, which was huge for them last season, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I think I think with this one. I think West Ham will probably take a dogged approach to this one, um, but I think United will probably have too much. I think United will be looking to, you know, close up that wound from Tuesday night in the Champions League. Um, very, very poor. Um, and I just think, I just think they'll want to bounce back in the league and, and put on a performance. And I would expect United to have too much for West Ham. I think Solskjaer understands in something like the Champions League in the group stages, there's a certain amount of points you need. You know, you need 10 points. I'm, I think you can count on your hands the amount of times teams have got 10 points and knock it through to the next stage, you know? Mm. So I think there's room for a slip up, you know, like there was the other night. Mm. And you can still get your 10 and get through. Mm. I think in the league, we don't have that comfort. You know, I think in the league... This is going to be a very, very competitive season. Um, you know, I think it's going to be United, City, Liverpool and Chelsea yeah. going absolutely all guns out for this. And I think this is like a match play situation where it's going to be somebody gets a victory and it's up for the other two or three teams to try and keep up week to week. Yeah. You know, so I think he understands every game now mm. is, is very important. And I'd imagine he'll go out there and he'll tell the lads that for Sunday and I'd hopefully just get us over the line as well. I think it'd be tight, but I think we'll we'll nip it. I'm gonna say three one United. Yeah, you seen it. I mean, we seen it last weekend. Obviously, Liverpool were the last game against Leeds, and we seen yeah. the pressure that they were under in that game because yeah. you know the other teams above them had all done the business. So that's the pressure that gets posted on you and stuff like that. But I just think yeah. I, I can't imagine a situation where Solskjaer just starts dropping points because even the other day, like the reaction to that match the other day, like Ali out trending again, like, and it's just, you know, top of the league, you know, decent start to the season, albeit like a bit of stupidity at Southampton. And the Wolves was a tough game, but you got there, which yeah. can be a sign of champions. Sometimes people look at that and yeah. go, oh, you barely got over the line. But to me, I look at teams that do that and I think, they're the matches that you look back on at the end of the season if you get over the line and go, you know, that's where titles are won. Yeah. Um, and I just think 
I just think with Solskjaer, there is a little bit of pressure there now because all the excuses are gone. He's been back to the hilt in the market. He has all the players in the world that he wants. And now, really, this season is defining in terms of him as a coach as opposed to United as a club. Um, yeah. And it's whether he's going to be that second coming of Alex Ferguson where he's after dodging the bullet so many times now, like Fergie did back in the day where he was very close to gone. And then he got over that line. And of course, we know all the success that came after that. And I think with Solskjaer, he's in a very pivotal moment like that now again as well. It's like history repeating itself in terms of the cycle of Manchester United's history. Um, yeah. And I just think no more excuses now. It's, it's get out there and do it or pay the price. Um, what, what's your yeah. thing? I presume you're going with United, yeah? Oh, yeah, I'm going with United. But no, I agree with you wholeheartedly what you said there, you know. I think for a little while, he's been able to look at the squad and say, this maybe wasn't my squad. This isn't the squad I wanted to assemble and, you know, mm. things like that. But I think now, with what he's got, um, okay, albeit maybe, again, we're a little bit soft through the mid, through the centre, through, through centre midfield there, you know. Um, but I, with what we've got at the back, you know, we've got a couple of decent keepers, we've got full backs, we've got, you know, the talent we have up front, you know, I... Do I say it's unmatched in the league? Maybe not for quality, but for depth, it's close. Mm. You know, um, you've got Sancho, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, Cavani, Ronaldo, Bruno, Pogba. Mm. Like, who wouldn't want to be part of that? And I think now, you know, the, all the excuses have been put out there. If it's a thing that he doesn't do something this season or if we don't get to, to a certain point in the season, it has to fall on him now. You know, it, it can't fall anywhere else. We can't look around and say, oh, he wasn't backed in a transfer market. Mm. You know, he was this, he was that. Right now, if, if this doesn't work out, you know, you'd, unfortunately, and as, as, as much as we don't want to go into a scenario where we're just sacking managers, you know, mm. we've also got to say, like, the, the book does have to stop somewhere as well. Yeah, this is, this is very much his team now, with the exception of a CDM. And like you can't turn around at the end of the season if it hasn't gone right and say, oh, but I didn't get my CDM. That's not going to save the job. You no, I mean, you've got a team there, Pogba, Bruno, Varane, Sancho, Ronaldo, Cavani. Stop. This has to happen. End of story. The fuse is being lit. You better get ahead of it or you'll know what's coming. Um, but I, I think I think United will 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 run out here winners. I think West Ham will put up a decent fight, but I think United will just figure it out eventually. Yeah, yeah, and I think when you've got like you know, you've always got those little moments of brilliance when you've got those those kind of big names and somebody could do something very special just you know towards the end of a game and it's enough to nick mm. it for you. Like the type of thing that Greenwood did mm. in the Wolves game, you know, it's just that little bit of quality that will mm. get you over the line, you know. And West Ham coming off Thursday night football as well, and yeah. and now Michael Antonio. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's stacked against them when when you look at it that way. Um. London Derby coming up, Tottenham versus Chelsea to round out the weekend. This is going to be a tough night at the office for Tottenham, man. This is going to be a really tough night at the office, um, I have to say. Um, Chelsea have obviously started like, an, like a train, you know, and um, I kind of only see them getting better, if I'm honest with you. You know, the more they kind of start to gel and, mm. you know... Um, Lukaku's come in and he's been brilliant and you know he's really really looked sharp and he's held the ball up well for them and you know a lot of the stuff that was maybe labelled that you know that he didn't do well mm. he's looked very very good at 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're solid at the back. I don't think they cough up too many chances. And when they do, I think the boy Mendy is, you know, he's... He's a he's a he's a solid enough kind of a lad, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I expect I expect Chelsea to do this handily, actually. Um. Yeah. I think they'll. I think I'll probably talking two three nil Chelsea. Really, you're gonna go for that? Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah. I think this is an interesting one because I know Nuno when he plays against the bigger teams, he's very well structured and very well organized. And I mean, he has started out very well at Tottenham, with the expect at the exception of that Crystal Palace result, he was absolutely flying, and yeah. they were they were top of the league. But um, you know, one loss and now they're down in seventh. And I know it's very early days in the league, but once you start tumbling that way, it tends to continue, you know. But yeah. I just I just think. I think it'll be a little bit tighter. I do expect Chelsea to win, but I do think it'll be a little bit tighter. But this is this is the Lukaku versus Kane show, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose that's that's possibly where I see the um, the outcome. You know, this is pivotal to the outcome, but mm. you know, Spurs at the back, they just they really, really. I know Nuno's. You know, he's he's a much better. Yeah. Organized mm. manager than than they have had over the last few years, and and they, and I even mean Mourinho when we talk about that, you know. Mm. Um, but I just don't think the the centre backs are going to be able to. I'm not sure will will Romero be back for this weekend. Um, uh, I think he will be. I think they're geo back, aren't they? Possibly, yeah. That yeah. that that could be, that could be something that maybe saves uh, Spurs a little bit. But uh, again, who do you play with him? Because I, I don't even see a, a great partner for him at Spurs yet. You know, somebody that you can go, oh, there you go. I've seen tonight they play Tanganga as a centre-back. Mm. Um, you know, so and he's obviously suspended, isn't he? He's missing. Tanganga. He's missing. Um, you, you're probably going to get Doherty maybe this weekend as the right-back. I yeah. think he played left-back. Or no, he played he played right-back tonight, actually. Um, you'll have Regulion as well. And again, Regulion. He's he's like for me he's he's very good going forward with Gillian, but yeah. going backwards I don't fancy him a whole lot if I'm honest with you yeah. um, and I think that's why he's still not at Madrid you know yeah. I think if he if he was good enough he'd be at Madrid and he'd be he'd be playing games but I think Madrid see him as you know an average enough left sided left back you know so yeah I, I, the quality of Chelsea up front as well yeah the you, options. you know you've Mount you've I know Pulisic might be out but you've Mount and you've uh, Lukaku and you've Z H and you've Havertz, Hudson Adoy, you know, um I like Hudson Adoy. I think mm. you know, he, he brings he, he brings the pace and stuff like that. And he puts a good ball in and stuff yeah. as well. And yeah, I think I think they're just gonna have way too much of them, you know. I wonder is this the game to try out that Lukaku Timo Werner um combination? Um I, I like the idea because I think Spurs at the back can be a little bit haphazard and I think there would be a lot of focus on Lukaku and I think Werner coming in from that kind of deep position for those knockdowns and stuff like that could cause them a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I probably don't see them going with a two, mm. you know, but yeah, I think we could we could possibly see him, see Werner play on the left of the front three um, and maybe with Ziyech on the right. And uh, with Mount or Havertz in behind, and then Kovacic and Jorginho or something like that, like that's yeah. that's tidy, that's very very tidy. Um, but yeah, I think they're gonna have to try it sooner rather than later, aren't they? Um, absolutely. Just you know, for for Timo's sake, because the longer they leave leave him, excuse me, on the bench, you know, the the the, the lower 
that confidence gets and the harder it is to get back up, you know. And I seen him play for Germany over the international break and he was absolutely piss poor again. Mm. You know, he missed an awful lot of big, big chances and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah, so I think he needs he needs a he needs to tie the turn from as well, young Timo. And he scored he scored a brace against Spurs previously mm. um for Leipzig. Um and he uh, he looked very good against them that evening. I don't know whether you know sometimes you play against teams and you've good records against them. This might be a, a game to put him in and and try and uh, try and get him get some confidence back, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just threw it out there just to see what your thoughts were on it. But I, yeah, you know there was so much talk in the summer of Lukaku coming in, and then when Lukaku came in. The talk was. Well, they were going to play him like that with that kind of combination because it had worked well for Timo in the past at Leipzig. So yeah. the question is, could they re- could they recapture that kind of form? And is this the way to play him? Because they've made a huge investment in him, obviously. And like you don't put 50, 60 million pound players like that on the bench. You know what I mean? No. And 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 to have it like as a real option, you know, if he if he doesn't start coming in and getting a lot of game time. You know, is, is the project done in terms of Tuchel? And I mean, Lukaku's so good as well. He's like, he's world class, you know what I mean? So he's, he's levels above that again, you know what I mean? So I just wonder, as you said, if they don't start putting them in or they don't start trying that combination, as you said, confidence goes less and less and less and less. And it's how you yeah. try and recapture that. Man, but I'd like to see that combination this weekend. I think it could do serious damage against uh, Spurs. Yeah. Possibly, especially on that right side with Spurs being so so weak at that position, you know. Yeah. But I did I did also read and you know, when you're reading these things, you've got to be careful with, you know, how how strongly it is. But um I seen a rumor the other day, obviously, with with Werner being linked with a swap deal with Leroy Sane, who doesn't look like things are going exactly the way he wants to at Bayern, you know, and maybe mm. he might want to come back to the premiership and and maybe Timo might want to head back to Germany with, with Bayern, you know. Um, that could be something Chelsea look at further down the road. Would would they look to bring in Leroy Sané? I think he'd be an unbelievable addition. Um, I think he was outrageously uh, undervalued at City. Mm. I think he was a really, really good player. And I think, you know, that kind of pace and power um, with, with Lukaku, flanking Lukaku was, you know, it's, it's trouble for the rest of us, isn't it? Yeah, do you expect to see Saul in this weekend at all taking part? I know he had a tough de- debut. Um, I'd say probably not. I'd say he'll. I'd say he's probably learned his lesson already with him, as in he'll he'll just give him a little bit now. Um, the last twenty minutes, half an hour of the game, he might bring him on, and because it did look like a tempo thing, mm. you know, it did look like he was out of his depth in a tempo from a tempo point of view. You Maybe know, keep him, keep him for the Carabao Cup. Um. You maybe you see again. I see. I think the Chelsea squad is so big. Like you might end up in the Carabao Cup with with the likes of Chalabit and stuff like that, who need ninety minutes. Yeah. You know, which which keeps them in good order. And obviously, like you're looking at even Ben Chilwell, who hasn't had a game. Maybe Timo starts in the in the Carabao. You know, so there's there's all those lads as well still still looking to get games. Chalabit uh, looks outstanding since he came in, doesn't he? Very good. Very very good. I really enjoyed him. And um, he came on against you actually. When Chelsea went down to ten men, yeah. and uh, really liked him, I thought really athletic, really comfortable on the ball, and you know didn't look like anything phasing because he's away in Anfield, you know. So it could have yeah. been a big over off him, but yeah. yeah, he just he just looked very solid, like and yeah. yeah, it was good. Doesn't look out of place at all as a kid, like you know. He's no, he really doesn't. Um, 
But yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're picking Chelsea on this one, are you? Yeah, I think Chelsea will do them two or three nil, yeah. Nice. Ian will be happy with that pick anyway. Well, listen, it's great to have been back in studio again after the trip. This has been your Premier League preview with myself and Darren. Uh, let us know your comments down below and let us know your picks and your predictions. Um, if you want to contact the show, of course, we're on YouTube, Dynamo Podcast Network for the videos, audio versions of the show, Spotify, Podbean, Apple iTunes, wherever you pick up audio versions of the show. If you want to contact the show, Twitter, at the underscore upper underscore tier. You'll get us on Facebook, the upper tier, and Instagram, the upper tier. My man, a pleasure as always. As always, what are you?